Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you folks on the screen uh, that we can get up early and greet the Lord together as his children. So uh, as we do that, let's take a minute, let's stretch just to kind of get yourself in gear and uh, to lift your hands to him. <clears throat> and we have the privilege of opening God's word. But before we do, let's pray. Uh, let's ask the Lord to uh, make these words alive and practical and experiential to us. So Father, we just come today. We thank you for a brand new day. We thank you, Lord, uh, that we can meet you through your word. And we believe, Lord, not only can we have fellowship with you through your word, but that you can actually instruct us and teach us, uh, encourage us, discipline us, whatever you need to do. Uh, but we know your word is powerful. It's like a two-edged sword. And I just pray, Lord, that you would breathe on the word, make it living, make it alive. And uh, I pray that you would give each of his ears on how to apply it specifically in our different situations. So, Father, we want to thank you for that, and we just pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, away we go. Let me read Joshua 6, and then we will jump in. Now, Jericho was tightly shut <clears throat> because of the sons of Israel. No one went out. No one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand with this king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people will go up, every man straight ahead. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let the seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, Go forward and march around the city. Let the armed men go on before the ark of the Lord. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you, Shout. Then you'll shout. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. Then they came into the camp, 
and they spent the night in the camp. Now Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests carried the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. They went on continually, and they blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. And the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while they continued to blow the trumpets. Last, the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did so for six days. Then it came about on the seventh day that they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only on that day, they marched around the city seven times. And it came about at the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city shall be under the ban, and it shall all be that is in it that belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab, the harlot, and all who are with her in the house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the ban, lest you covet them and take some of the things under the ban, so you would make the camp of Israel cursed and bring trouble on it. But all the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the police blew the trumpets. And it came about when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, that the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed everything in the city, both men and women, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. And Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all she has out of there, as you have sworn to her. So the young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all she had. They also brought out all her relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and all that was in it. Only the silver and gold articles of bronze and iron they put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. However, Rahab the harlot in her father's household and all she had, Joshua spared. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day, for she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua made them take an oath at that time, saying, Cursed before the Lord is the man who raises up and builds this city Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation. And with the loss of his youngest son, he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. Okay. Well, as I read uh, Joshua 6, uh, I would say there was five key points uh, that came to me, and I like us to kind of look at those and unfold them. The first is that God longs to speak to his people, that's you and I. Uh, secondly, the Lord gives specific strategies for situations we face. So when we have problems, the Lord wants to give us insight on how exactly to deal with them. Number three, we need to learn to trust God when things don't make sense. You ever been there? 
I would think we have. Number four, it's always important to obey God at all times. And five, the importance of the fact that God is always with us. So those are the points. And I think each of them can be very relevant to where we live. So let's look at number one. God speaks to his people. Uh, look, at, look at Joshua 6, 1 and 2. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. So basically, <clears throat> words getting out to Jericho that this heavy duty group of Israelites is coming toward them. So in a sense, they're, they're upset and they're going to protect themselves. So they shut the gates. They're locked in. And it's interesting here in verse 2, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. And the Lord said, okay, and the Lord said. So I think we need to be very clear that the God we worship is a God who wants to communicate to each of us, Okay. Uh, he's not lost his voice. He spoke to people in the Bible. Read, read Genesis. He spoke to Adam. He spoke to Eve. We know he spoke to Noah. He spoke to Abraham. He spoke to David. Uh, he spoke to the prophets, obviously, uh, a bundle of them. He spoke to John the Baptist, the disciples. Uh, he spoke to any number of people. He is a God in the Bible who wants to communicate with the people he created. And the idea that God speaks, um, I think some people think, well, he only speaks to the people back there in the past. All these people back here in the Bible. Yeah, God spoke to them. Or I've heard people say, well, yeah, God speaks, but he only speaks to super saints, you know, super holy people. Uh, I'm not sure he wants to be able to speak to just, just little old me, little ordinary me? Does he want to do that? Um, and I think we need to realize that when we've truly given our life to the Lord and we're born of the Spirit, that God literally has wired us at that point in time to be able to hear his voice. In uh, John 10, Jesus says, hey, I'm the good shepherd. And he refers to his believers as sheep. And he makes very interesting statements. He says, my sheep know my voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice. So I think God is very clear, yeah, that he, that he wants to be able to speak to us. And not only does he speak, but we can learn to hear and understand what he's trying to communicate to us. So I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I've never heard God's voice. A number of Christians over the years have said to me, literally, I don't know, God speaks to other people, but I've never heard his voice. Uh, and I think we need to realize, yeah, he does speak. Number one, the book that you're looking at right here, the Bible is God speaking. When we read these words on the pages, literally, they are the words of God speaking to people back then, but also the Bible is speaking to us. So God speaks primarily through his word. Uh, we know God speaks through other people. Pastor Brennan had an amazing message Sunday. God spoke to me through him. Uh, God speaks also through circumstances uh, that we encounter. But I would say one of the primary ways I would say he speaks is through 
and I, I, I'm going to use a, a very specific word, intuitive impressions. I'm not talking brain so much. I'm not talking your logic, your intellect. I'm talking more heartsy, down in the spirit. And I think God speaks through intuitive impressions in a couple of ways. Number one, I think he speaks through burdens he puts on us. There's a family member right now I know that's going through a harder time. I'm burdened. I feel literally burdened, like something on my shoulders to pray for that person. I believe that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, John, by the burden, pray for them. So God speaks, I think, through burdens. He speaks through desires. I know there was a point when I was in college and I, I got the call to become a pastor. God put a, a desire in my heart to do this. It's just, I wanted to do it. So I think God speaks through burns, through desires. I think he also speaks through checks in my spirit or yours. We have a conscience. And sometimes as we're getting into like, okay, I'm going to do something or say something. He checks us and says, don't say that. Because if you said it, it would be gossip. Or not only does he check us before we sin, sometimes we just plain blow it. We sin and afterward you get this little red light on the inside. Guess what? You messed up. You need to say you're sorry to the Lord and get forgiveness. Uh, so God, again, he speaks through burdens, desires, through checks. And I think he also speaks through a sense of peace. If we're moving in God's will, there's a sense of flow. There's a sense of peace, a sense of it feels right on the inside. So God wants to speak. He spoke to Joshua. I want you to know he wants to speak to you as well. And one of the major keys, I believe, to hearing God's voice is getting intimate with him. If you do not have a relationship with him, you're not going to hear much. And if your relationship is distant, you're not going to hear much. But when we're really close and we've developed that, that, that real love relationship with him, then God doesn't have to shout at us. I think just even a whisper will do the work. So number one, no, that God doesn't want to just speak to people back there or super saints. He actually wants to communicate with you. And I think that's a good prayer. Lord, help me to, to discern your voice. It's so important to be able to do that. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I think God wants to give specific strategies on how to deal with given situations. Uh, interesting. Uh, Israel is going into the promised land. The first city that needs to be overcome is Jericho, and God gives the Israelites specific details on how to win the victory. Look at verse 3. You shall march around the city, all the men of the war circling the city once. You shall do it for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. God gave specifics, okay? What I want you to do, basically, uh, Israel, is I want you to get a group of armed men up front. In the middle, I want you to carry the ark, which was a symbol of God's presence. And around the ark, he said, I want you to have some priests that are going to be able to blow horns. And then there was a rear guard. 
and they were supposed to march around the city once. Uh, and they did that for six days. And then on the seventh day, God said very specifically, march seven times around. And after you finish the seventh, I want you to blow these trumpets loud and I want you to shout. And when you do that, the walls are going to come down. Very specific, very specific plan for overcoming Jericho. Now, what's very interesting is that was unique. There's many other cities that Israel conquered in the promised land, but they didn't march around the city six times, seven times in every one of those cities. There wasn't a formula here. This was very specific to Jericho. And if we cry out and say, God, I need some specifics in any given situation, uh, I believe God will, will do that. Let me give you an illustration. David uh, was a commander of a group of men. And I want you to see how he always asked and listened, God, what's the plan? What's the strategy? Do you want me to do this? Don't you want me to do that? Uh, if you look at 1 Samuel uh, and 1 Samuel 23, I'm going to read it, uh, verses 1 to 4, you hear this. Uh, then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Gilead and are plundering the fleshing floors. So hear this. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and deliver Gilead. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Gilead against the ranks of the Philistines? So David says, God, what do we do? God says, Go ahead. David goes to his men, we're going to do this. They said, I'm not sure. He goes a second time to the Lord. Uh, and then it says this in verse 4, Then David inquired of the Lord once more. And the Lord answered and said, Rise, go down to Kilia, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. Very specific information to David. Uh, let me give you another illustration from David's life. In 2 Samuel, Chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. Then it came about afterwards that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to one of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. So David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. Isn't that kind of cool? David's going, what, what do I do? What do you want me to do? Do I go up to one of these cities? God says, Yeah. And then David says, well, where do I go? And he says to Hebron, very clear. God gave a specific strategy to David. Let me give you one more. Uh, this is 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 19. Again, then David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go up here again against the Philistines again? Wilt thou give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I so certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, uh, how, basically, how do you want me to go up, Lord? And this is so cool. I love this. The Lord said this, you shall not go up directly. In other words, David, when you go against this, don't go directly and attack him straight on. God said this, you shall not go up directly, but circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the Boston trees, then you shall act promptly. 
for then the Lord will go out and strike the armies of the Philistines. God was very clear. At one point, yeah, go straight. Other point, he said, no, 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 don't do that. Go around the back. So I think that's really pretty cool. Um, and that's important for us. We need specifics when we're dealing with issues in our life, okay? I know there's times in my life I'm trying to think, Lord, what do I do in this situation? And instead, running headlong and just doing what we think is a good idea, I think it's good to pause and say, Lord, what's your strategy here in this situation? Uh, there's an interesting verse in Matthew 4, 4. It says, man does not live, woman does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, God says, I want you to live by my instructions. And if you give me time, if you wait on me, I'll speak words and I'll give you strategies on different decisions you need to make in your life, which I think is really very powerful. Uh, what I'm learning, though, I can't press a button and say, okay, Lord, I need the strategy. I'm sitting down. Okay, I give you, you know, 15 minutes to give me the strategy. <laughs> I wish it was that simple. Uh, I'm learning. I, there's times I just have to wait on the Lord. Uh, and when he's ready, he'll speak. Whether it's the 15 minutes I wait on, maybe it could be a week later, a month later. But I need to expect that somehow he's going to give me a strategy when he knows the time is right and best. So, okay, God wants to speak to you and I, and he wants to give you and I strategy. So I don't know, you might be wrestling with something in your life. You know, like, how do I do this? How do I proceed in this occupation? What do I do in this relationship? Should I do this? Shouldn't I do that? I believe the Bible tells us God has strategies if we're willing to wait for them. Okay, number three. We need to trust God when things don't make sense. Have you ever been there? I'm sure you have. I know I have. Where, man, like you're going through some crazy time and like nothing makes sense. Doesn't seem like God's very good. God doesn't seem to be communicating too well. There seems to be silence on the line. Like, Lord, what are you up to? It makes no sense. Sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make sense, or we just don't understand what he's up to. Look at Noah. God says, go build a boat on dry land. They didn't even know what water was like from rain. That made no sense. Uh, it didn't make a lot of sense uh, for Abraham to sacrifice his son. That makes no sense. Like, I'm sure Abraham scratched his head something like, what are you up to? And can you imagine the people of Israel? God says, you know the way you're going to win the battle? Uh, don't worry about fighting with swords. Uh, don't worry about you're going to have to charge and, and, and battle a group of people. Just I, all I want you to do is just march around a city uh, about, you know, six times uh, over a week and then seven times. If I was an Israelite, I'd say, man, that makes no sense whatsoever. So sometimes things don't make sense. And just to give you something fresh that I think the Lord's teaching me is there's sometimes, uh, I don't know if anybody else on the screen ever gets frustrated with the Lord. Uh, I know I do at times. Like, Lord, what are you doing here? And it doesn't make sense. And quite honestly, Lord, I think I have a better idea than you. And I, I was reading the book of Job, and I found it very interesting. There's a point where Job goes to God and says, basically, God, if you, you're invisible, but if you showed up and we could talk face to face, I'd show you just how right I am, how wrong you are. And it's interesting, as Job has that attitude, as the book goes on, he goes through hell. Uh, 
And at the end, God shows up and says, oh, okay, Job, you think you're so smart? You give me the answers to all these questions, da, 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 da. At the end, Job is totally blown away. He's totally humbled. And what Job comes away with is the idea, man, I am finite. And God is infinite. And, and my little brain can't comprehend how big he is. There's an interesting verse in the Bible. It's in Isaiah 55. And God says this, listen, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and yours. God says, you know what? In a sense, I'm a whole lot smarter than you as a creature. Because I know all the data. I know everything in the past, everything in the present, and everything in the future about everything and everybody. And I know it simultaneously. Not only do I have all the data, I have absolute wisdom. So I know how to bring the best result out of all the data that I know. And I think the Lord's saying, in back of my infinite knowledge and my infinite wisdom, in back of that is my love and my goodness. And guess what? I will always do what's best for you. It may not make sense to you from your finite viewpoint, but from my big picture, it makes perfect sense. And I think I've been there and I think you've been there where it doesn't make sense, but somewhere down the road, you say, wow, I get it now, Lord. I, I the, the dots connect. And he said, you look down the road, he said, Lord, you really knew a lot better than I did what was going on. So I guess what I'm getting at there, there's going to be times when God puts you in situations that make no sense, and you're trying to make sense of it. And I think at that point, we have to be able to trust that God knows what he's doing, even if we don't. That's the bottom line. If, if I don't know what he's doing, that's okay. I'm called to trust. The important thing is, does God know what he's doing when you're in that tangled up, mixed up, confused state of mind? And to know uh, that even if he doesn't make sense, it's safe to trust it. So I don't know where you're at today. You might be there and something like it doesn't make any sense. And I think God is saying, look, if I say march around this city seven times, you may not get it. That's okay to do what I told you to do. And it'll make sense, which kind of leads into number four point, uh, which is the idea. It's really important to do what God tells us to do at all points. So God gave Israel very clear. Here's what I want you to do. Six days, march around once. Seventh day, march around seven times. That's an order he gave to Joshua, who then gives that to the Israelites, okay? And, you know, they do it. They do what they're told to do, and the walls fall down. Uh, it's interesting, too, in Joshua uh, chapter 6, Going back here, um, in Joshua 6, he also tells them there's something they're not to mess around with. Uh, let me see here. It's 6, 18. Listen to what God said. But as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the ban, lest you covet them and take some of the things under the ban, so you shall make the camp of Israel accursed and bring trouble on it. So God says, basically, you defeat. Jericho, but 
but I don't want you to go Israelites, individuals, you know, the individual Israelites. I don't want you to go and get the spoil and the goods and the silver and the gold and take it for yourself. No, no, no. Whatever we take goes into the treasury of the Lord. I don't want any of you to mess with any of that stuff. It's God's plunder. It's nobody else's. Well, Israel, if you look at it carefully, basically um, pretty much does that. They, they do what they're told. But, and you're going to see an amazing insight tomorrow in Joshua 7, it's not complete obedience. It's only partial obedience. And boy, you're going to see, they're going to pay big time for not doing all that God asked them to do. God made another statement to Israel uh, back in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 20 and verse 16. So God's saying, when you go into the promised land, here's what you have to do. Listen to what he said here. It's Deuteronomy 20, 16. Only in the cities of the peoples that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, you shall not leave alive anything that breathes, but you shall utterly destroy them. The Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, as the Lord your God has commanded you, in order that they may not teach you to do according to all their detestable things, which they have done for their gods, so that you would sin against the Lord your God. So God basically told the Israelites by Moses before they go in, when you go in, these people annihilate them completely. And again, we've looked in the past, that's pretty harsh. I mean, like annihilate them, knock them out, kill them. Because God says, if you don't, their pagan practices are going to infiltrate into your faith and it's going to dilute your faith and it's going to mess you up. And ultimately, you're going to become like them. So God gave that order. Okay. And I want you to see that Israel obeyed it. Uh, if you go back to um, Joshua, verse 26, 21. Uh, it says this, and they utterly destroyed everything in the city, both men and women, young and old, the ox, the sheep, the donkey with the edge of the sword. They did exactly what God told them to do. If we go on a little bit further here at the end of the chapter, they talk about this lady by the name of Rahab. And Rahab, basically, um, when the spies came, We've seen that a little bit before. She helped these Israelite spies and hid them. And basically, uh, they said, hey, you've done something great for us as Israelites. We're spying out the land. You helped us. We're telling you to do something. Is You need to put some kind of like a scarlet thread thing, kind of like a, a ribbon or whatever, hang it out the window so that when we come in and when we wipe out Jericho, you will be spared. Um, let's go on back to Joshua 2 and 12. Um, it says here, um, when this harlot saved the men, she said this, Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. And spare my father, my mother, and my brothers, and my sisters with all that belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So she's pleading, we, I've done good for you. Now, look, when you guys come and wipe us out, I'm asking you to spare my family. 
Uh, and if you look at verse 18, they basically say this to her, unless when we come into the land, you shall tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down and gather to yourself into the house, your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. They go on basically saying, if you do what we tell you, you like everybody in the house, have this scarlet uh, thread out the window. And this is so cool. Just a totally side note. The scarlet thread, what do you think it is? Scarlet, red, what might that be? It represents the blood of Jesus. Remember, the blood was spread back in the Passover, and the Israelites were in a house, and the blood was put over the lentil on the door, and the angel of death passed over. Why? Because the blood, which, again, here's an Old Testament picture that's pointing to a New Testament reality. In the Passover, and here that scarlet thread, that family was saved. Yeah, is it just because there's a scarlet thread? There's a symbolism there of even their faith in a blood of a Messiah that's coming that she had no clue. And guess what? She obeyed and did what the spies told her to do. And because she obeyed, her family was saved. So it's so important. And I know I think I've said it, and I think many others that have been teaching here have said the same thing. God does not look for partial obedience. If he asks us to do something, we are to do it. Even makes no sense. He tells you to march around Jericho, whatever. He asks us to be obedient. And again, it's so important to remember that our obedience does not come because we see God as somebody with a whip. And if we don't obey him, he's going he's gonna to beat us up. No. We don't obey out of fear. We obey out of love. We want to love God. And if we love him, we want to please him. And if we want to please him, we're going to try to do what he asks us to do. Okay. Um, and the last one, as we wrap up here, uh, is the fact that the Lord is with us. Such an important thing. Look at that last little statement in chapter 627. So the Lord was what? With Joshua. And his fame was in all the land. So the Lord was, here's the key word, with Joshua. So what I hear the Lord saying is, if we're walking in obedience that I talked about, then that allows the Lord to be with us in a special way. And if the Lord's with us in a special way, he's going to bless us. And that's what happened with Joshua. He was walking with God. God was with him. And basically, his fame spread through the land. Looking at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, uh, again, this idea of with is so important. If you remember, Joseph is thrown by his brothers, thrown in a pit, totally unjust, unfair, gets carried over to Egypt, and he's done nothing wrong. He's in Potiphar's house, and even though everything was going wrong, Again, here again, think about this. When God doesn't make sense, makes no sense. Joseph had a vision. I'm going to be at the top. My, my brothers and, and my parents are going to bow down. I'm going to be a big shot. And immediately he's thrown in a pit. Now that makes absolutely no sense. None. And yet Joseph didn't throw in his faith. He kept the faith and he was faithful to God. And because he was faithful in Genesis 39, too, it says the Lord was with Joseph. So he became a successful man. That's pretty cool. Same idea. 
Joseph obeyed. God was with him in a special way. And because God was with him in a special way, he was a successful man. He took over all of Potiphar's affairs. But Potiphar's wife lies about him, says that he's trying to make a move on her, have an affair. And Potiphar believes his wife, not Joseph. Joseph's thrown in prison, again, unjustly. Again, it makes no sense. But what's so cool, even when it made no sense, I mean, I, I, I think the thought would come in the temptation of Joseph. Lord, I've been faithful. I've done everything you want. And I'm carried away from my family. Now I'm thrown in a jail. Lord, it makes no sense. But he still trusted in the Lord. And then it says here uh, in Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph, even in prison, and extended kindness to him. Again, obedience allows the Lord to be with us in a special way. So important. We looked at this the other week uh, in regards to the Lord being with us. So essential to get us through life. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, Moses, God says to, to Moses, go out and deliver my people, Israel. And Moses is saying, in a sense, God, you got to be kidding. I mean, I'm a common guy and you want me to take on all of Egypt. It makes no sense. And here's what God says. This is Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, this is what God says to Moses. Therefore, come now. I'll send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And here's what God said. And God said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you. But here's what he said. I will be with you, Moses. I know the task is big, but that's okay. I'm going to be with you. And I think as we saw uh, the other week, the same thing happens to Joshua. He's intimidated. He's got to take over the role of Moses. He's got to lead the people into a promised land filled with enemies all over the place. It looks like an overwhelming task. And God says to Joshua, this is Joshua 1.5. We've seen it before. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, Joshua. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you, nor will I forsake you. And then he goes on. Have I not commanded you? Be strong, Joshua. Be courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I think... That's something we need to hear. I don't know where you're at at this point, uh, what obstacles are before you, uh, or what task seems overwhelming, uh, or whatever big mountain is there. And I think the Lord is saying, guess what? Don't be dismayed about it. Uh, he's saying here, be courageous. He's basically saying, hey, don't worry. I'm with you. And the Bible is very clear. If God is with us, who can be against us, right? We can't be defeated. So, folks, I think that's these. I just love being able to take the Bible apart because I think every one of these things can speak to us. So, number one, remember, God wants to speak to you. And just ask him to make his voice clearer and clearer. Number two, remember, God has strategies for your situation. So some of you are facing some weird stuff, <clears throat> but God wants to give you a strategy. Give him time to make it known. 
Learn to trust them. That's a cutting edge for me. Learn to trust them when things just don't make any sense. And remember, it's always important to obey him. If Israel did not do what God told them to do to march around Jericho, guess what? They would not have defeated Jericho. And if they didn't defeat Jericho, maybe they wouldn't even have taken over the promised land. Who knows? Obedience is so important. And last, remember again, that no matter what you're facing, God is with you all the time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Again, Lord, your word is so rich. Uh, and Lord, if we don't race through these chapters, but if we just kind of sit with them, if we think about them, if we meditate on them, I believe you have lessons. And, and you'll do this just not for me preparing this lesson. You'll do that for any of your kids. Help us, Lord, just to sit with the scriptures. Uh, and Lord, uh, just to kind of enter into the stories, Lord. Help us to to begin to interact with the people in the story. Help us to ask questions uh, as we look at the scriptures. Uh, but more than anything, Lord, make yourself very real to us as we study your word. So put your blessing upon your people, Lord, and may we become a blessing to those we interact with today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Lord bless you. Have a great rest of your week. Go forward.